it's time to talk. It's, t- it's time for the rub down. That's right. Oh, Derek Wolf. Oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> that was the most half-ass howl I've ever heard in my life. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of That Reload Podcast. I'm here today with the entire crew. I'm your host, Joel. Sitting across from me is the Bouge, the man, our resident cook, Jeremy, the Kitchen White Law. Meh. Next to him is our pit master and producer, the man that tickles all the clips, Mr. Matt Farr. Levels, levels. And last but not least, the backbone of the show, the sweet and sassy, sometimes salty, Miss Stacy. Hey, guys. So, guys, we are back uh, for another amazing episode, of course. And we have today, I'm going to go ahead and bring this gentleman in for the second time, Derek Wolf from Over the Fire. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing well. How are y'all? Glad to have you back, man. I felt like last time you were on the podcast, we barely hit the tip of the iceberg with you. And there's a lot more things we want to talk about today. But first, before we get into that, what's everybody's credentials? What's everybody drinking tonight? I like. Derek. Oh, yes, uh, everybody I'm, I'm has Glen Cairns except I, for Matt. I'm, I'm glad everybody's holding it up. Like, what the hell it is? You know, like, like everybody can, can see what y'all are drinking. Derek, what are you drinking tonight, brother? It's a brown one. <laughs> uh, I got myself a single barrel. E.H. Taylor popped it open uh, just the other day. Thought I might as well start drinking a little bit of it. So, right on, right on. Mm. Jeremy, I am drinking my leftover samples from our last bourbon episode. So right now I have some Weller 12 year, and then I also have a little pour of Eagle Rare 10 year, and then Blanton single barrel. So you are you gonna pull them all off tonight? That someone oh, missed yeah. out on. Right now you're sipping like on... an ounce, ounce and a half of each one. So I'm like, eh, they're all 90. Well, Blanton's 93 proof. I was like, I can polish them all, them all off. There you yeah. go. So you got a uh, sample A in your glass as of right now. As of right now. Number A. That's right. Number right. A. Well, before we get to Matt Farr's drink, because I'm interested to know what's inside his, his kappa mug, me and uh, Sugar Pants over here, we are sipping on some Weller Full Proof, the last of my Weller Full Proof, to be exact. Stand so, down. Hunt, hunt and Fultain Proof of a little bit of awesome. Did you throw some water in it? I did. I did not. I can't do it. <laughs> so, he so, likes the burn. All right, man. What so you got, bro? I've been doing a little bit of research, uh, so some inside baseball for the listeners. We're going to have uh, Bourbon 103 coming up, which is going to be focused on the next level of bourbon, including bourbon cocktails. So trying to do a little bit of homework on some bourbon cocktails. And this is a drink called the Burley Temple. Ooh. So it's hey. one and a half ounces uh, of a rye bourbon. I've got Kentucky. I'm sorry. I, it calls for Kentucky bourbon. I chose to put a rye in it. Um it's the rare breed rye I've been talking about. And then four ounces of ale eight. I don't know if you guys have heard yeah. of ale. Oh yeah. That's good. Ginger ale. Uh, some grenadine and then a couple of uh, maraschino cherries. So it's yeah. very sweet, but very good. Let's say, what's the verdict on that? Do you keep the, do the bubbles keep with the ale eight? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've just got like the one sphere yeah. ice cube in there. So it, it's not melting too bad. I'd probably go a little lighter on the grenadine next time. I got you. Just a little tidbit of information, though. I've been told that, you know how it's ale, eight, one. You're supposed mm. to say a late one. Yeah. 
That's I don't like, think anybody no. actually says that. I know. <laughs> L anyone? Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a a, a pun, right? A late one mm-hmm. is supposed to be what it's for, but everybody just colloquially calls it L8. So well, I like the play on stuff. words with the burly temple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Come a little hair on your chest right there. So, Derek, dude, I want to hear. Uh, real, I want to hear about your cooks that you had uh, the last time you were with us. You were at the lake, and uh, yeah. we saw some, you had some pretty badass cooks going on the next day. Yeah, yeah. So we did two cooks. Um, so I, I think I said previously on the first podcast, I did a period of my life in El Paso, Texas. Yep. So um, a lot of the Hispanic grilling world has really uh, kind of inspired a lot of my cooking. Uh, and so by no means will I ever say that this was anywhere close to quote unquote authentic elote. However, <laughs> it, was, it was it was good. Like it, it was so much fun. So I made grilled corn. Um, so grilled Mexican street corn yeah. um, and season it with my chipotle garlic. Um, so we got a little bit of that, uh, that drunk arm wrestling breath in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, and then we, so we grilled it off on the Brio outpost uh, and then we lathered it in mayo. You can use butter if you want. Um, and then we seasoned it off with uh, a little bit of queso fresco. I like, uh, smashed up a bunch of takis, so chili lime. Hey, uh, yeah, <laughs> um, and then some cilantro, and then that was about it. So, Derek, yeah, I, pretty, I, I need to know what brand mayo you put in because this is very important. Yeah, Derek. it's really important you answer this correctly. Okay, don't mess this All up. All right, so. I prefer Dukes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel I like I feel a butt coming. <laughs> But that's not what I grew up with. So I've like, as I've gotten older, I've very much appreciated the flavor of Dukes. Um, But that being said, you know, I mean, I'm not the pickiest of mayo eaters. So, but Dukes is the best. My my kids won't eat anything but Dukes. Honest to God, I I gave um, my I forgot what I made my kid with some mayonnaise on it and. I think I used something different. I ran out of cra- or I ran out of uh, Dukes or something like that. My kid noticed. My four year old noticed. Uh, Did not like it. Honestly, it, it is. I mean, you can you can distinctly taste the difference. That being said, though, you know, I mean, it's pretty fantastic. But I'm always open. If, if you don't if you don't got Dukes, I can I can do it without it. Derek, I was gonna say, uh, I guess you could say I'm a mayo enthusiast, but not a mayo dick. Because I really like Dukes, but I'll eat whatever I can get my hands on, right? As long as it's mayonnaise and not Miracle Whip. Come on, could you say you're a mayo chub? (laughs) Maybe a mayo chub, yeah. I was was so surprised. I mean, so I get a lot of comments, some weird crap, uh, all of the above, dude. Uh, One day... One day I'll tell you all the craziest things that I've I've seen and or heard on Instagram and Facebook and all of the above. However, Ooh. it blew my mind how many people hate mayo. Really? Like that was the number one like comment in the in all my comments was like I can't do it. I can't do mayo. I was like, dude, mayo makes everything better. Just like, try I, it. I just if they didn't it. know it was in there, they would love it. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. It's just fat. Come on, is that is that a real thing? Like, I guess you know, like I understand maybe not 
It's not for me, but I guess maybe I understand not wanting like mayo on your ham sandwich or something. But I mean, dude, the mayo on corn, the mayo on a grilled freaking hamburger bun, uh, you know, or or just a hamburger in general. Hot, I don't know, like hot mayo. A BLT. Hear that? That's called mouth watering. <laughs> Right, enough about mayo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we grilled that guy. Uh, also, I forgot to say we added some lime juice on there. So there of you course. go. Um, honestly, the grilled takis was really great too. I, I know that um, a lot of the times you you're probably more often than not using like the the chili lime seasoning itself, like some very like chili con limon or something like that. But yeah. um, at the end of the day, I thought it was a fun little flavor, especially because um, a lot of food is texture and corn in and of itself is like it's such uh, interesting texture uh, and it gets between your teeth like crazy, which was, by the way, the funniest thing. I haven't really had like grilled corn in, a hot, in like a hot sack. So um, eating that is like straight from the cob definitely takes you back to old school <laughs> memories. Yeah. Um, but then, okay, so we did that, and then I did a grilled tri-tip. I was not the most impressed with the grilled tri-tip, mostly because I wasn't able to really get, like, uh, I wasn't able to get, like, a fat cap on my tri-tip. Um, I probably, I only let it marinate for about eight hours or so. Probably would have liked it to be about more like 12. Um, but we kind of did more like a Santa Maria garlicky onion kind of marinade. Um, my secret, and for anybody that's listening, my secret to any beef uh, is salt and pepper. I love garlic, so I'm not going to bash it at all on SPG, but SPC, salt, pepper, cinnamon, is like the best thing in the whole world. I've seen you do so, that. You said it's mm-hmm. like your go-to steak seasoning. Yeah, so I have a really, uh, one of my best friends um, is Palestinian, and that's just like how he grew up having steak. Um, And I have no idea if that's a Palestinian flavor profile, but I just know that that's how his parents always made steak. That's how his his whole family makes steak. And so the funny thing is, like with cinnamon, um, it is very different because... You think it would have some form of like sweetness added to it, but it really doesn't. All it, all it really adds is this um, enhanced peppery flavor, almost a spiciness flavor is what you get off. And then it just caramelizes so much better. Mm. Um, so, and then we added that into the marinade uh, and then we made like a garlicky chimichurri. So yeah. Now this was with the, you said this was with a tri-tip? Mm-hmm. So you would you would think something that's not like super fatty steak cut. What for the marinade or for the to use stuff the cinnamon F- thing? Um, honestly, I really like it on ribeyes. Oh, okay. Like, okay. I, I really yeah. So I really love it on ribeyes. I also really love we did a, a salt pepper cinnamon butter and then put that on our prime rib and smoked that. I was going to um, interject that I was going to say hmm. that you know the something like that on ribeye all that golden fat would just soak up every ounce of all that cinnamon mm-hmm. goodness and the caramelization yeah. you're talking about would really crisp it up on the outside yeah and honestly um i'm not the biggest fan of sugar on any form of red meat uh personally even though like some of my seasonings we do add that in there just to get some uh, caramelization and all the above. And I think it, it does really, really well, but I'm not the biggest fan of adding any sugar to red meat. Mm. Um, and so the cinnamon is a good place for people that may like that, like 
I don't know, like the kind of that barbecue ish flavor on their steaks. Yeah. Um, and so it's a good blend where you still get like a, uh, like a decent spice, uh, flavor come off of it with a subtle sweetness, but really it's like a smoky sweet. So, yeah. um, yeah, that's my trick. That's all we really serve at our house. And everybody's like, Oh my gosh, it's so good. And I'm like, it's just the cinnamon. I swear right. it's not my cooking. So write this down. So. Reload, rub, salt, pepper, cinnamon. SPC. 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 Blend. Yes. <laughs> Coming this Christmas. Semi-pneumatic. Yeah. Semi, semi pneumatic yeah so, so speaking of cooking, I went, uh, I went live with a guy. Have you heard of a, a gentleman named Cooking with Swiss? Derek? Uh, yeah, I have heard of him. Yeah. So I went, went live with him tonight and, um, we did a kind of a little, uh, we did a little cook and I cooked a, uh, um, prime black Angus dry aged ribeye and uh, I had it sitting on the damn counter up here acclimating, getting ready to go. And I went down there, had my charcoal. I had to get off, getting it fired up. I was getting myself prepped up, ready to rock and roll. I, I come- heard a thump. Yeah, Stacy is in the other room, and she hears a thump. I come upstairs. Stacy's washing my steak off, and my dog had jumped up on the counter and had that son of a bitch well, in the middle of the damn rug. I came into the living room, room, and the ribeye was sitting on our area rug in the living room. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I picked that bitch and that's up. A, that's a dry-aged prime ribeye, too. So yeah. did you just like, dust days, it off yeah. and still cook it, or did you just like Hell say yeah. yes? Hell, yeah. That's well, a freaking prime black Angus dry rib, dry rib. I'm washing it off and I cooked the shit out of it. I literally had just Stacey vacuumed. Washed it. Yeah. <laughs> I literally it. had just vacuumed, thank the Lord, but it was sitting on our area rug. I scooped it up and took it right to the sink and washed it if, off. If she hadn't vacuumed, it would have been full of, uh, it would have been furry. <laughs> a little furry. No dust. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a burn off in the pit barrel. Oh yeah, right? Uh, yeah. I, I did do a little cowboy uh, sear on that mug just 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 in, uh, yeah. just in case yeah so are you familiar with a pit barrel yeah okay yeah. so i i cooked it on there until it got to about 100 and then i pulled uh, i pulled the grill grate out i have had two of them down there and i reached down pulled the whole entire coal basket out set it in the other pit barrel and then just dropped that mother straight on top of it it was oh so good i gotta say like I'm more of like the steak hoe. I like the nicer cuts. I usually like like the filet mignons, the picanha, the, the strips or whatever. But, you know, we had cooked a regular ribeye on Friday. Yeah. And it was good, but I, I'm just not one that wants to like cut around the, you fat. know. I love the, the fat, fat. And she the little doesn't. pieces and stuff like that. But this is the first time I've ever had the Halterman Family Meats ribeye that Mike had sent us. Well, the, the, tor- we did the dry the, aged. The dry aged. Dry aged. One. Yeah. Black Angus prime ribeye. And, um. And then we finished it off with the fully loaded compound butter and it was amazing. Like it was so delicious. I could have, I could have tackled that whole thing. But there's, we had a already com- ate. there's a completely different taste to it's something so that, that's been, that's been aged. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's not just straight off. There's something that like has been hung and sat there and to go through the whole process. The meat looks different. The taste is different. I loved it. It was fantastic. Yeah. It was so clean, but th- I mean, Actually, speaking of charcoal grills, Jeremy's got him a new piece of hardware. hey I did. I had a, it's not huge. today the podcast, it's but huge. my Friday was a really crazy day. Um, as you guys know, I'm newer into the bourbon. I've uh, been about a year. So this is my first fall season of like hunting around and stuff. And I uh, stopped by Bob's on the way home from work on a Friday. Shout out, Bob's. 
and uh, grabbed a grabbing a bottle there. And Stacy's messaging me while I'm there, and she's like, "Hey, my brother has all these bottles. He's willing to get rid of. Do you want any of them?" And I said, "Yes, I'll take all of them." So what was my text message. That's <laughs> all I want to know. It was well, in- Matt. It, when you moved to Knoxville, you get put in that text message thread. So okay, okay. So I was like, "Yeah." So. I'll, I'll take all of those. And so, and I got a ball at Bob's. I'm on my way home and I get home and I get a phone call and there's a delivery truck on the way to my house. And I was like, Oh, is it, it, uh, who's it from? And they named the company. I was like, all right, I've been waiting for that. So, um, guy comes and drops off a Primo ceramic grills. Um, super excited to work with them. Um, so I'll be working with them for the next year or so. Um, but yeah, super excited to get that. So then Saturday rolls around, go over to Joel and Stacy's house, pick up, uh, two bottles of Weller, a bottle of Blanton's and a bottle of Eagle rare. And then I <laughs> came home. I made some, uh, some Haltman family meats, prime fillets with bone marrow and asparagus on the, uh, Primo ceramic grill. So not, not a bad weekend so far. And you got some drink wow. tanks. Yeah. And I got some drink tanks and, and some new TRP merch. We got Sorry. coasters, baby. Coasters. What? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're have to take the button away. Well, it's yeah. funny about my brother with the bottles. Like he's a collector as well, but he's also a drinker. And he says he cannot pass up when he has like some of his backdoor, you know, relationships with some of the liquor stores that he goes to, and he can get something at regular MSRP price, mm-hmm. not secondary pricing. He has a hard time turning it down. There's yeah, so many people that. in like in his life that. You know, if you could pick up a bottle of Eagle Rare for 35 bucks when people are selling it for way more than that, he can't say no. So he just texted me and he was like, look, you know, over the last year or two, I've accumulated some extra bottles. If you want to widen your collection, you want to do it just for whatever you've got, whatever I've got into it, you can have it. And I said, well, Jeremy's getting into it too. And he said, yeah, I've listened to the podcast and he said, you can offer it as well. Yeah, I was going to say, um, Stephen and I ended up talking um, for probably like three or four hours about bourbon and stuff. And I was like, oh, did you listen to the podcast? Because like we had like some of these recently, these these exact bourbons. He's like, yeah, that's why I'm offering them to you guys. Because like I have extras of these and stuff. I was like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> See, that's the power of the podcast, baby. There it is. He, he knew Jeremy was a was a newbie and wanted to help. Matt. And, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, everyone I've talked to, whenever you're, whenever we're having a pour on Instagram and stuff, it's all about that community. That's how you get the hookup. Like, that's the coolest part of being into bourbon and stuff is is that community of people who just absolutely love it and and, and just have so much fun with it. That's the truth. That's like Matt, like like Matt was, you know, he hit the nail on the head. We've talked about it previously that bourbon's meant to be shared. It's not meant to be Mm -hmm. hoarded where it's like, you know, this is mine. You can't have this. You know what I mean? Like, it's, that's why we buy it. That's why we drink it. That's why we want others to be a part of it as well. But I've got something to say. Say it. So um, the other night we went out and got ice cream with the kids. <laughs> All right. We're sitting outside. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. He's growing a few inches right now. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, we're sitting wait, outside. Did, did, wait, did Troy Palomalu show up? I beat his, I beat his yeah. ass. Honey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but we had just been talking about like, some scary things about how like adult, like people trying to like <laughs> abduct children out in public places. Well, I, I turn around, we're outside eating ice cream. I turn around, there's this guy and he's walking straight for us. And I literally like looked at Joel and I go, Joel, the kids. Cause they were kind of like, just like wandering around like the picnic benches and stuff like that. I was like, Joel, he just was beelining. And he goes, Hey, have you been on TV before? And he says that to Joel. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> 
You damn sure to have. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine, but yeah. So he he was like, oh yeah, yeah. He goes, I was there, you know. So he I was part of the production so, crew. So uh, oh, okay. yeah, a show that I've been on. Um, can't talk about it, but a show that I have been on. He was part of the production crew, but I had my. Uh, Sat there and talked well, to yes. him and everything. I was like, Yes, I've been there before. Didn't know that we were sitting with a celebrity. <laughs> Joel's dreams came true. Damn straight they did. It was great. My, <gasps> oh. my wang was hanging down to the ground at that point right there. <laughs> I was dragging. Anyways. Yep. Anyways. All right. Well, it's time to take a break. When we get back, we're going to talk about some more cooking, cooking with bourbon and some unique seasonings that Derek has. Damn straight. We'll see you guys on the other side. All right, guys, so we are back from the break, and we are going to dive into some amazing topics here with Derek and the crew. We're going to be talking cooking techniques. You know, we uh, were talking during the break about how primitive styles of cooking are uh, coming back and are kind of all the rage right now, and uh, I want to get into it right now. Like, Derek, I want to talk about, I know you love cooking over the fire, but is there a particular way is one of your favorite ways to cook over the fire. Honestly, I think, um, I think in the United States, skewers doesn't get a lot of love a lot. Like I, I don't think, I think when we think of skewers, uh, we're usually thinking of like some marinated chicken stuffed between a bunch of like veggies, cooked kebabs, over direct yeah. coals. Yeah. Like Boy, kebabs. Yeah. And so I like, I really find um, obviously you definitely sacrifice a little bit on skewers because you're physically like pushing a piece of metal through your meat. Um, but at the same time, I think that like one thing I love about skewers, especially like picanha or like something like that is you get a fantastic crust without it actually touching any metal or heat and you're not losing any, uh, seasoning, um, yeah. Plus, I also think another thing, at least in my opinion, rotisserie, rotisserie style cookings, which is kind of in that same vein. Um, I really think that that does not get as much love. Um, and I've been seeing a lot more of it lately. Right on. So we, uh, we, Jeremy, a while back, Jeremy and Stacy, um, in our little group chat we have, they, they put a picture and it was of you and you were using these damn swords or something like that. And you had like, them stacked around the fire. Derek's way of using skewers is actual broadswords. Swords. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Claymores. Like yeah. And just, yeah. Dude, go ahead, Braveheart. Dude. <laughs> well, I, um, honestly, so yeah, I got those, uh, there's a company out of California that makes like big swords like that. Um, kind of honestly based off of like churrasco style cooking brazilian style cooking um and so anyway i uh i thought man they sat in my uh like my barn for probably like four or five months didn't really know exactly the best way to use them um and it's so funny all right so let you in everybody on on instagram complains about the algorithm and all that stuff whatever but i was going through a phase 
all the way back in because I started cooking with those last fall. Um, I was going through a phase where like, dude, nothing was working. Like I felt like all my videos just didn't get the same level of engagement. I needed to do something new. And I had some Porter Road um, Picanha. I had two Porter Road Picanhas. Um, and I just thought, I was like, man, I know I've seen this before, but like I built myself a fire pit. I did all this kind of stuff at our new house. And I was like, what if I just skewered the shit out of these and cooked them leaning against the fire? And like, honestly, I, I lean it, the top one a little closer so that the evenness of the heat is hitting from the top to the bottom at the same kind of yeah. level. Um, cooking them about two feet away. If I could keep my hand there for six seconds, that was probably good enough on heat. Uh, and so honestly, I just did it and I'm, I've never had anything. I mean, I'm talking like, I don't believe in sous vide, which might make some people pissed off, but I don't believe in it. But that was like the closest thing I've ever seen to like a sous vide steak without ever going into a water bath. I mean, it was like rim to rim perfection. Um, and honestly, I, I'll admit too, it always blows my mind a little bit when I'm like, oh, damn, like, wow, I actually, I actually can cook. So <laughs> pulled that one off. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm pretty... I, there's so many cooks that I do where like I get to the end of it and I'm like, ah, that was just not, that was not what I wanted. And so we go back to the drawing board and just try and figure it out. But this is the one of the few times where like totally didn't necessarily intend on it being as good as it was, but it was, it was awesome. Well, I loved your quote that you had in your, that video of your very first deer hunt and you were tasting that venison you were eating and you went, mm, I'm awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope everybody knows that that's very sarcastic. It's not a, it's not me actually saying it. Yeah, from a, man. I mean, I'm, I'm the best. Well, so, I'm the best. hell, own that shit, man. I mean, like, I, I, when I when I do something that's really good, I, I'll straight up own it. Like, oh, we know. <laughs> we hear about recognized and he's like strutting around. I mean, who else gets recognized in an ice cream parking lot? I know. Anybody? Mm-hmm. From someone on the production crew of the TV show. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I recognize you. I obviously left an impression, Jeremy. Yeah. No, so... um. No, Jeremy, with those skewers, those those the swords you were using, like so, I'm in metalworking as well. Not Jeremy, Derek. Well, I know, but Jeremy was asking me oh, about sorry. this. Yeah, um, I was asking Joel to make some for me, and he still hasn't done it. Ooh. We haven't. We, we Throwing shade. That time has passed. But I, I am awesome. I will say this: I have. Um, <laughs> I am awesome, and I can make things. But no, I I've I have kind of been. Uh, inspired since our last podcast, Derek, um, I want to get into more primitive styles of cooking and, yeah. and I've been kind of, you know, and, and Matt and Jeremy, we've, we've talked about like some contraptions we can, we can make things we can do. And, uh, yeah, I want to kind of take my metalworking skills and, and make some contraptions this time and do some, some over the fire cooking. Yeah, in our group chat just this week, we we're talking about it because you guys are building a new house right now about building your fire pit in your backyard and like what kind of fire pit, like what do we want, what do we want to put back there so we can do cooks together and stuff? Yeah, because uh, you know they they have like the tripods with like the hanging stuff where you can move it up and down, something like that. I know Derek, you have um, your fire pit in your backyard. You have it like where it's um, you can move it around and stuff and make different shapes for different stuff going on. Uh, you want yeah. to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. That's a good yeah. One. yeah. 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 So, um, I get this so many, like multiple times a day, people ask how I built that thing. And so it's like, it's only 40 
fire resistant pavers um, that I was able to go over and get at Lowe's. I mean, they're, they're not, I mean, they're, they might still crack under a ton of heat, but like, I don't know, just go and pay another two or $3 for another one. Um, but I got 40 of them and they're 40 by 10 and I did it for, for stacking high. And then I did lava rocks on the bottom just because I didn't really want to deal with like sand or any, really any other style of rock is really going to end up popping and cracking, especially under like high heat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm not physically cooking on the lava rocks either. Um, but at the same time too, I like to move them around actually on that deer hunt, Jonathan from Brio built something that was kind of similar to that when we did, uh, the venison al Asador. Um, and it was kind of where I got a lot of my inspiration from because it was a very windy day out in PA, uh, when we were cooking that thing. And I just realized, man, it's really awesome to not have it like cemented together um, especially the pavers together, because if it ever becomes too windy, you need to move something around. You need to move the fire pit at all um, in some way, shape, and form. You can accommodate to that. Uh, the other nice thing about it is that if I ever need to get the fire where I'm kind of getting more of a vertical style of cook, so like with the the skewers um, cooking that top picanha that that's at the top of the skewer. Um, being able to have it go up into more of like a, a upside down V shape in some way, stacking the fire tall along that is going to bounce that, uh, that heat off of the top and come back over towards the actual meat. So honestly, I've found a lot of fun uses for that. Plus, you know, I've had to basically Jerry rake putting rotisseries on it and putting yeah. Santa Maria grills on it. All the, all the other fun stuff was just kind of added bonus. That's wild though, man. Like, you know, it's, and that's something that we want to do. We want to create that space that's very versatile that we can use for recreation. Like we're sitting around drinking some burbs and, uh, something we can just throw up real quick or something that, that I can fabricated that we can put up and have an awesome cook. Cause for a long time, you know, with him being a wild game <clears throat> enthusiast or whatever, you know, we have, uh, deer haunches, we have a big neck roast, yeah. we've got, mm-hmm. you know, hearts we have venison and elk hearts and stuff like like imagine skewering a couple hearts on those swords let's go you know what i'm saying so we need those that capability but at the same time we have two young children who want to have a regular old fire pit so we need that flexibility of use something i've always wanted to do is an open fire cook i've wanted to take a venison heart i've wanted to skewer it and i've wanted to wrap it in coal fat uh, and and keep it and roast it that rotisserie style like that you know maybe even and right at the end maybe caveman it just to get a little bit of sear on which the outside. we did skewer the hearts and the, cooked and it on the pit barrel on the pit barrel but I've always wanted mm-hmm. to, to do that because I've never had coal fat um, but from what I hear it is it's delectable as far as adding that mm-hmm. that butter to to the that lean venison. Um, you know you were talking about rotisserie something that you felt was underrated um, how. What's the best mechanisms for doing rotisserie over a fire? Are you talking like one of those ones that are like, that come on grills that actually have a mechanism that turn it or like, what are those options? Um, I think the best one, um, which Derek will bring this up, he has a stream running through his yard. And so you have the rotisserie going out over the stream. There's like paddles on it and then it's, it's powered by the water. <laughs> is, is that right? Yeah, I've seen that one. That? Honestly, I think I, I do have that. I Just- also think the best one is when you pick the person you least like, AKA Jeremy, and make them turn it the whole time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
I like, it's just a 14 hour cook. Just, just keep cranking. I, I figured you had David the gnome back there in a little hut, you know, peddling. I'm starting to think that was a stupid question. Hang on, hang on. Does anybody no, know? No, I'm actually no. really interested in that answer. Oh, okay. Does anybody know who David the gnome is? Yes, no, no idea. A story. You know. Do they know? No. Okay, the fictional cartoon character that was a gnome that rode a fox and fought bad guys. Anyways, um, rotisseries, talk to me. Dude, there's a, I, honestly, there's a ton of them coming out onto the market. I mean, you know, obviously you have all the ones that attach to pretty much all the major grills. Um, you can find all those basically on Amazon. I just have like a, I have a, a couple of them. I have a 22 inch um, that is just like the classic kettle style grill um, that you can use. I use that one a lot. Um, honestly, there's one actually that's coming out of South America called the Kanka. Um, it's basically a two pronged, uh, rotisserie. It has multiple styles of attachments for it as well. Um, but it's really fun too. It's very similar to like the, uh, any grill that you can basically like, um, I don't know, hammer into the ground and then it sits on the pole and then it, it honestly uses, um, like a counterbalance weight on itself. It, it's really cool. You should, you should look it up. But I think that, um, so there's no, there's no electricity cool. to it. It's like, it, it's a, like a go. Some kind of manual. Oh, no, no, no. So the um, that one, they have multiple ways you can obviously plug it in just like to a normal outlet. Okay. Um, but they also have one uh, a setup where it comes with like a chargeable battery. You're supposed to put it on your backpack while you, when you go like hiking or something like that. Um, and so you can uh, just clip it into the battery, uh, and then it just powers it. It literally it'll it'll rotate for like 18 hours off of one charge. Damn. Um, yeah, I know. So, and I like that idea. I think that the one thing that's is fun, um, is kind of looking at international cooking too, is like the setups with rotisseries, the setups with skewers are kind of changing as, um, Americans are becoming more and more aware. Like, um, we're kind of becoming more and more aware that you don't, one single prong on a skewer is actually going to cause a lot of heavier meats are going to like rotate obviously around on it. Yeah. So having a counter style way of doing that, whether that be the two prong skewers or even, you know, the V cuts on skewers as well, help prevent a lot of that uh, rotation. Um, and, and, you know, just kind of going from there, even I, uh, the guy out at super skewers, he has some really fantastic stuff as well. Um, all of those are just, they're fun little attachments too, because at the end of the day, I really find that the food, the, the flavor and the crust, if you're like a guy that really loves that, that crust flavor, um, that you can get off of a lot of meat or, uh, like your grilled rib, ribeyes or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I highly recommend doing it off of a skewer, especially like the two prong. Cause I've done like a three, uh, three, uh, boneless ribeyes on my two prong skewer cooking on a kettle, um, and we did it indirect for a little bit, and then we did it right over the coals uh, towards the end, caramelized. Um, and then I, I was able to just top it off uh, with like a blue cheese style butter crust on the top of it. Did like a uh, like a cowboy broil. So I put like a pan over top with some smoldering logs, and it just burns it from the top down. Um, and yeah, it was fantastic. So definitely a new way to like switch things up and do something different. And it still makes your steak great. Right on, man. How how often do you feel like, I'm not saying that anything you talked about is like this, but like, you know, how often do you, because everybody's always trying to reinvent the damn wheel. 
with yeah. with cooking. How often do you, as a as a guy that does a lot of primitive cooking, how often do you feel like shit is just too gimmicky? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, like, what are we really trying to do here? You know what I mean? Like, like you see all these different contraptions that come out. And I don't, I'm not going to name anything because I don't want to throw anybody under the bus or anything like that. But you know, like, do you ever feel like there's there's there, people are trying to work? They're trying too hard to reinvent the cooking styles. Well, like gravity fed charcoal. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know that. that you, you picking up what I'm putting down? No, no, I definitely do. I think, um, honestly, a lot of the things that are hitting the markets recently, especially when it comes to skewers and soda crosses, all the above, like all that, the fun stuff that's coming out, um, like, dare I say, predates any form of our style of cooking, let alone any form of anything that we know as cooking right now. Um, So, like... I think they are the wheel um, and we're just trying to make it easier for us to like, that's the thing. That's the fun part about fire cooking is realizing that like the styles of cooking that I've been like trying to dive into a little bit more are the first generation, everything after that, like every plugin, any electronic, anything else is just our way of trying to replicate that flavor easier. Yeah. Um, which I dare say it's not as easy to replicate. Um, and really, I, I don't think that you can, um, it's kind of the same way. Like I remember, uh, food critic was saying like some of the best barbecue pit masters in the world will tell you exactly what they do for the rubs, exactly how they cook it, exactly what they're doing. Like they're not yes. hiding anything, but then at the end of it, they'll just look at you, um, I think this was actually this was on the uh, the new Netflix show. Yeah, yeah, I recognize. Yeah, 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 the critic, and he was just like, um, you know, they don't hide anything. But then, really, the start, like at the end of it, is just the pitmaster itself. Good, like, good luck. That's the key. Replicating what yeah, I yeah. do. Yeah. And so we can try and reinvent things. I agree with you. There are definitely products out there that, like, on both sides of the spectrum, whether it be like the more primitive styles of cooking that are trying to push the limits, um, that I think can somewhat become like redundant. And then even on the, uh, on the opposite side, the more like, um, I don't even know, the even more, uh, electronic and sophisticated, um, you know, we're just, you know, dare I say, I feel like we're like running out of ideas when at the end of the day, all it really takes is the people around you, high quality food, and really, really good, like understanding of how to cook. That's what um, I was getting at. Is like, yeah. is, is I'm not saying that because you use a certain method that you know, you know, it's, it's wrong or anything like that. But what I am saying is, is that you know, you don't have to have the new, the, the latest and greatest shit to continue to make really good food. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like just what you said, you know, it's the people around you and it's your talent in itself that makes the food great. And so however you're doing that, I think just pour yourself into it, whether it's a a stick burner guy or a pellet grill guy or an over the fire guy, you know, just freaking pour yourself into it. I'm curious to hear though. I mean, from, from y'all's perspective, uh, cause I'm very invested in the fire cooking, obviously the over the fire cooking world. Um, we're from y'all's perspective, looking inside, 
Um, how do you see it slowly shifting maybe inside of the uh, quote unquote more like traditional barbecue community, even in seasonings and flavorings? Um, what are y'all starting to notice uh, from that, like outside looking in a little bit? Matt, Jeremy, y'all want to take us first or you mean, you mean dive in? I can, uh, I can go ahead. Go ahead. Go, Matt. No, you got it. I think um, the more someone gets into barbecue, the uh, the more primitive they get. Um, you start with a pellet grill because it's easy. You can fire it up after work and make something really great for dinner that night. And then you're like, hey, I want to step this up. I want to try charcoal. And then you do a little charcoal and then you start doing a stick burner. And then you got a fire pit in your backyard and you grow a big manly beard like Derek Wolf. And you're doing, you know, <laughs> I think – the the more you get into it, the more the more basic you want to get with it because uh, that's when you're really getting down to the the key ingredients. You know, uh, uh, meat, seasoning, smoke. You know, that's it. Yeah, yeah. It goes from set it and forget it on a pellet grill down to really their skill involved in cooking. You know, as you progress back towards those primitive styles, so you've got a lot more skill in a charcoal cook than you do a pellet cook. And that's not to say that one's necessarily better than the other. It's just that, in my opinion, as you progress back towards that primitive style where it takes a little more effort and a little more skill, your flavor tends to increase. The the uh, The depth of flavor, the complexity of flavors tends to get better and better. But that's not to say that one method is superior. Like, life is a series of trade-offs, right? So, yeah. uh I might be able to do a 24 hour brisket on a pellet cooker that I would never actually be able to do on a stick burner. Cause I can't stay up for 24 hours and feed the fire every 30 minutes. Yeah. So I think that there's pros and cons to all of it. Uh, I think that different cookers are suited to different types of meat, you know, yeah, different yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. outcomes for sure. Uh, but I would say the most important thing is just to get out and cook, right? Like that's the thing that people have got to do and whatever it is that gets you out to cook just do it. And if that's a pellet grill, get out and cook, you know, try it. And like Joel said, pour yourself into it. If that's a stick burner, then, then do that. Whatever it is you're doing, just get together with people, cook, feed your friends and family and have a good time. That's what's important. Yeah. I think you guys nailed it. You know, the, um, I think it's what's how it is now is like opposite of what Derek, what you did. Um, I think people tend to go, I want to cook good food like this, but it's a giant ass commitment to do it the, you know, the, I guess what's the original way. So we have options like pellet smokers or gas grills or, you know, I have my first smoker was a master built electric smoker. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. a little mini fridge that I shoved. That was the gateway drug. That was the yeah. gateway drug. Yeah. But, you know, so, but I'm, I'm happy about it. I'm glad it happened because it, it paved a way, you know, and I think with, I think. Well, it makes it more approachable. You know, it can be daunting and overwhelming when you look at someone feeding a fire and feeding logs into a stick burner or something like 100%. that. Or, or lighting mm-hmm. charcoal and picking the right charcoal. As we know, you can easily use the wrong charcoal that will screw up your entire cooks. Well, on the flip so side. So it is the- that. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, on the flip side of things, you know, we wouldn't have a rub company if it wasn't for this journey. Um, You start this thing off and you start buying seasonings. You buy seasonings for people like us, for people like you, and or whoever else. But then as you go, you go, you know what? I I like this seasoning, but I want to tweak it a little bit. Or or maybe I want to come up with my own. And then you start this whole culinary journey where you're 
all of a sudden you're making all your own seasonings. Well, I mean, your that is rubs, basically your own sauces. Yeah. Going back to the primitive way, you know, like just like Derek had said earlier, like not having sugar in your steak blends. Like neither one of the ones that we quote unquote call as a steak blend have sugar in it. Yeah. So, you know, there was tons of, there's tons of times where you go out and you buy rubs in the store and they just fall flat. They're sweet. Sucks, They're yeah. salty. They just taste cheap. They just taste like two dimensional. Yep. So we bought individualized seasonings in the Amish country, you know, sea salt and cracked black pepper and dehydrated garlic and formulated our own Yeah. in the primitive style, like where people would just take it up, put it in a mortar and pestle and boom, 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 rub it all over their steaks and stuff like that. So, but that was part of the journey that's though. The evolution of it. That's the evolution. That's a great thing. That's the evolution of cooking. You know, you, you do it long enough, you pour yourself into it long enough and you're going to go down the rabbit hole and, uh, and you know, start your own stuff. You'll have, you'll be that guy you know what I mean? or that your girl, grill, your method of cooking, your flavors yeah. you're using. So I have a question along those lines, Derek, we've talked a ton about how you've got this fire pit in your backyard that you're cooking over a live fire. And that's sort of your shtick. That's like what you're known for, but have you actually done any cooking on like a pellet grill or like an offset smoker or anything like that? Do you have experience on a wider range of cookers or is it just, you've just found that over the fire cooking and that's sort of what you've stuck with because you love it. Yeah, no, that is a great question. And to answer everybody else, like just, just so everybody knows, dude, I, I could care less. I, if you look at my DMs, people ask me all the time what kind of grill or fire grill or whatever. And I always, I'm never shy to tell them if you don't have time, like it's not bad to get a pellet. It's not bad to get something that's gas. I really think that at the end of the day, you're really going to find whatever works for you. Um, yes. Is better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but to answer your question, uh, so when I first started, it was pretty much mostly charcoal and open fire. Um, I was always a little reluctant to go and push into the American style barbecue. Um, but yes, I do actually have quite a bit of experience. Um, got myself a Oklahoma Joe Highland. I got myself an Oklahoma Joe Bronco. Nice. Um, I do offset smoking. I do. I actually really love drum smoking personally. Yeah. Um, it is funny too, as I've gotten into it, I'm much more of a fan of hot, hot and fast than I am low and slow. <laughs> uh, but you know, that's just, I think that's me and my fire cooking tendencies coming through. Let's, let's sure. like do it with a lot of flair really fast. Um, but I also, dude, I got, yeah, I, I have cooked on quite a few different things. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, I think I just, um, what is it? So I, I'm, I got a few recipes posting next week that will be on the Oklahoma Joe smoked, uh, all kinds of fun stuff. So yeah. However, I'm never going to say I'm a, I'm a barbecue pit master cause man, you know, I still struggle with brisket every once in a while. Um, and growing up in Georgia, I also had a lot of pulled pork, so I refused to do smoked pulled pork. Um, <laughs> Not a big thing for me. Come um, on, man. I know. I know. Um, but I love myself some dino ribs, like some good beef. Go. Beef plate ribs are fantastic. Uh, and honestly, smoked chicken is really hard to beat, too. I mean, it's just, it's hard, yeah. hard to beat that kind of flavor. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Dude, you were on a, uh, you were, I was, I was, I was stalking your page and you were on this, I don't know what the hell it was. Um, this charcoal grill and okay. it was, uh, what the hell was it? It, it? it was retro is all get out. Okay. You, I forgot. This is the worst description ever. It was a grill. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, it was, uh, How you, big was it? you poured the charcoal, you just poured the charcoal in and then you were able to it, like able to it lit itself. Do you know what I'm talking about? It might've oh, been, might yeah. been a paid promotion for you, but do you know what that I'm was an old, that was an old, old video. Yeah. 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 But it was, but I reshared it recently. It was so um, cool though. Like, yeah, I, so I wanted cool. one. That is, um, uh, a Heston Blumenthal fusion. Um, so it has like a burner stove at the bottom where you can throw a bunch of charcoal into the pit and then it, you hit the button, it burns it up and then it starts the coals for you. It looked um, like, uh, it, lo- it looks like the kitchen sink that you start a <laughs> fire in. <laughs> That's what it looks like. But doesn't that one have a, uh, a rotisserie built into it too? Or yeah. I think it would, yeah. It like pops up on the sides, right? Yeah. yeah. I've yeah. seen that before. So there's a few of them too, but I had the smaller one. Um, actually one of my best friends loved that grill so much that I gave it to, give it to them. Um, but it was, it was a fun direct cooking grill for sure. And the rotisserie was a lot of fun too. All right, dude. So we, we've gone down some pretty, pretty cool different techniques here and stuff like that. But I want to end this segment with, um, one, I, I don't know if I should ask the guys theirs or not because it'd be putting them on the spot. But for you, like, if you can cook one way only, and this is it forever, over the fire, like what what technique do you do you would you recommend that uh, you would use? Because there's tons of them, dude. Like there's there's endless yeah. amounts of ways to cook over the fire. What's your favorite way? Um, wow. It's like asking, what's your favorite like pet or kid? Yeah, seriously. All right, I'm going to say one, and to be 100% honest, there are going to be some people that are really upset by this comment. However, I'm already mad. I, I, all, I love <laughs> cast iron. Like, I don't think I could give it up. I don't. Honestly, uh, you know, people always complain and say, like, there's, you might as well cook it on the coals or, like, grill it. You're not going to get the same flavor. Truth is, when you do it right, you're going to get great flavor off of the cast iron, especially with some smoke flavor. Um, you can get it on there. Um, and I love the idea. I mean, cast iron is one of those things where like, dude, you don't need anything. Like somebody commented the other day for me and they're like, what is the cheapest grill setup that you have? And I was like, cast iron and coals. Dude. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what else do you need? You don't need anything else. You can just do straight coals if you want. Yeah. Um, and so, but the, the other awesome thing about cast iron, uh, is that like when you do, when you keep it up really well, I mean, when you when you got some really great understanding of how to take care of it, all of the above, dude, that thing is the most versatile. You can do breakfast, lunch, dinner, um, and then basted seared off cast iron steak is, I mean, it's really hard to beat. Are so, you, Are you putting the cast iron right directly on top of the charcoal or the coals? Yeah, all of the above. You can do it on that. Um, I also really love Lodge makes these like stands um, where you can actually build like a um, – you can build like a, a log style fire around it. Uh, and so you can get like a lot of uh, heat off of that and you can utilize your cast iron really well off that too. Right on. So, um, 
I'm not mad. First of all, not mad at that at all. I uh, think nah, that's a good answer. No, I think uh, the, the beauty about cast iron is anything you cook in a cast iron, it's it's taking a bath in its own juices. And I take that quote straight yeah. from Jeremy, the kitchen white law, who said that, you know, cooking burgers in a cast iron was fantastic because the burger itself is bathing in its own juices and whatnot. So great answer. Amen. Y'all want to take a break? Yep. All right. Let's do it. Let's hit go to a break. And on the other side, we got more juicy, delicious goodness with Derek Wolf over the fire cooking. See you on the other side. It's time for the rub down. That's right. The Derek Wolf. Oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> that was the most half-assed howl I've ever heard in my life. I think, Derek, you just made an honorary member of her wolf pack. That's yeah. right. <laughs> I have a wolf pack. So anyways, we are all super intrigued. You just came out with, uh, in the last few months, came in through the gates with these beer can seasonings. So freaking yeah. slick, man. Yeah, the flavors all sound amazing. We haven't had a chance to taste them yet. Not gonna which lie. We really want to. Not gonna lie. This is not true. I love you to death. But when you came <laughs> out with those cool ass cans, I was like, fuck that guy. <laughs> him and the horse you rode in on. That's cool as shit. Man, no, seriously, those are, that was such a badass idea. Talk to me about and the those. flavors sound really good. Yeah, oh yeah. I haven't had them yet. So um it all started in a galaxy far, far away. Um <laughs> no. All right, so Pete Pete Taylor, he um he's the like the creative director for Spiceology. He's also the founder of Spiceology. Uh he and I are very, very close friends. Mm-hmm. Um I will admit infusing beer into flavor is quite the scientific process. So I'm yeah. not going to anywhere get close to saying that I was anywhere close to being somebody that was like, yo, I found the way to infuse beer into seasoning. <laughs> it is I. However, he, we were on the phone and he just called me one day and he's like, dude, yeah, you know, like we had just figured out this awesome new way where we could start being able to, to infuse like beer into flavors um, they were working on their popcorn seasonings, which they have recently launched uh, a couple months ago. Um, and he was thinking about doing like a beer and lime seasoning uh, or something. And I don't know, it just, it popped out of my head where I was just like, well, what if we did like beer and barbecue just goes straight up together. Yeah. Um, and every great memory that I've really ever had is associated with barbecue is with a beer in my hand um that and bourbon but usually i'm double fisting and then briskets in my mouth nice Um, and so i i'm always just kind of like dude what if we did like a barbecue beer infused line and it literally it just took off from there he had been 
they were in a process where they were looking at doing beer cans uh, and like somehow putting seasonings into beer cans. Um, it was not anywhere close to the model that we have right now, um, but it got shelved probably about three years prior to me even bringing this up. Um, and he was like, wait, let me go back and see like how far we even got with that. It was just an idea. Sure. Um, and, and so anyway, uh, he's like, come up, come up with a couple of seasonings. I can pitch it to the crew and see what they think. Um, and we kind of went from there. So I started, uh, I started with like, okay, how the hell am I going to tackle beer infused seasonings? Um, growing up in the South, I did a lot of traveling with barbecue. Uh, but the truth is, is like when it comes down to it, there's only, there are three major like regions of barbecue that I was very familiar with. I was very familiar with Carolina style barbecue. I was very familiar with like that Southern, just almost like molasses sticky style barbecue. Um, and then having spent a period of my life in Texas, I was pretty, pretty familiar with Texas style barbecue. Um, and so the first actually seasoning that I came up with was the honey mustard IPA, um, pulled pork, vinegar, mustard, like classic. I remember going on road trips to North Carolina and hanging out with some of my friends out there. Um, and there would be this awesome off, like off the road barbecue place, um, I was not the biggest fans of IPA, but I always thought of bitter beer um, that always just semi paired really well with that kind of tangy, smoky flavor that you yeah. get, especially with the fatty flavor of pork. Um, so that was the first one, like just memories of me traveling out to North Carolina, hanging out with friends um, was where we kind of went with the honey mustard IPA kind of flavoring. Um, there was a... Uh, there was a barbecue restaurant that I grew up with just outside of Roswell, Georgia. Uh, and they had, um, this, he always did ribs, uh, with peach flavored, um, barbecue sauce. Yeah. Uh, and so anyway, I just fell in love with that. That was just a, you know, after like football games and all the above, we would go and eat, <laughs> go and eat ribs or chicken wings or whatever. And so I, I, was trying to replicate the flavoring of that. And so that's where we kind of got with the hickory peach porter. Um, the porter on that was kind of the flavoring um, that I thought paired the best with that style of barbecue, a little bit dark, a little rich, um, yeah. maybe with a little bit of, you know, kind of bitterness, just a little bit that porter kind of brings to it. Um, and then uh, in Texas, we used to eat brisket and steel shiner brock. Of my friend's dad's uh, <laughs> fridge, and so honestly, you know, I, out in Texas, it's just salt and black pepper, and anything else is like sacrilegious in in some way too. Um, and so, the peppercorn mesquite lager is almost an ode to brisket and Shinerbach in and of itself. Um, the flavorings, and so I, I pitched this. Um, to them coming up with like some rough formula formulations in some way, um, just talking about what it could look like. And they freaked out. They thought it, they were like, holy shit, uh, this could be awesome. Pete came along and he was like, dude, I, I think we could do this in the beer cans. And so we went through, I'm kidding you not. It was about six months of testing. Um, we started with three seasonings and then it grew into, he wanted to do a full six pack yeah, um, because I, it just makes sense. 
Um, and so I, the, the next one right after that was the, uh, the cherry chipotle ale, which was, I just, I, everything I love about, um, like some forms of traditional style barbecue sauces is that you kind of get that smoky sweetness of like the, the cherry and a chipotle flavoring. Um, and so I, that kind of reminds me a lot of some, some ribs that I, I would have with some of my friends, uh, as well. Uh, and then the jalapeno lime pilsner kind of came out of uh, fish tacos, like barbecued fish tacos that yeah. I would fall in love with as well. Um, and, and then I always wanted to do one um, that was honestly kind of an ode to, I love doing Guinness on barbecue. I, and some people may not agree with that, but I really do love adding Guinness on barbecue. And so I also really love um, coffee. So the one thing I didn't love though, is I never really felt like I've ever had like a really good coffee rub. Honestly, it tends to get a little, just, I don't even know how to describe it. A little grainy. Yeah. Just not good. And so I, that was probably (laughs) the one that took the longest to perfect. Um, but when we, when we did kind of that Imperial coffee stout, where it kind of blends a little bit of that creaminess of Guinness, um, paired with some of that, uh, that earthiness that coffee brings and some sweetness into it as well. Um, you didn't hear it from me, but I honestly think that that's probably the best one out of all six. Wow. Um, I know surprising. I honestly, every time I have it, it's blows my mind. Um, but so we kind of came together with that and Pete, uh, and I've been, we wanted to see if we needed to compress the cans themselves um, to be able to ship them. Um, because obviously when we were shipping in the air, uh, it was not really going to get us what we wanted to. It was going to probably crumble the tin, uh, the aluminum. Uh, and so anyway, basically from there, we kind of had to work on a process, the best way to um, add pressurization in there. So that's why every time you crack them open, they sound like a beer. Um, and so I, we went like 15 different shipments trying to get these cans to work. And there was a period there. The, fu- the funny thing is a lot of people didn't even know, even in spiceology, they had no idea that we were going to be doing the seasoning wine because literally it was like Pete and me and maybe like a couple other like higher executives that knew we were doing this. Um, we kept it on such a DL because we didn't think it was actually going to work. Like there was a portion of it. We were like, well, maybe we just got to suck it up and put them into like plastic and just call it a day. Um, But we finally figured it out. And then we were able to kind of think about like how we're going to cap them all off and all that kind of stuff that just kind of came in uh, towards the end. And the next thing we knew we had six beer cans that were ready to go. Um, Honestly, it's still funny to me, even on the promo videos, um, because we were in the middle of COVID getting all those cans in all those promo video cans are all just like, we, we spent the night spray painting cans with tape on the outside. Pete and some of his crew spent the night like spray taping or spray painting cans and then like taping the actual, uh, stuff on the outside because we didn't, the, the cans were not even oh, shit. Wow. because it took that long for us to get them. So, um, it's crazy. You did a good job because my wife just <laughs> bought a six pack 
I haven't pulled the trigger yet, but I'm about to. <laughs> oh, I, thought, I, thought, I didn't get to finish because I was listening. <laughs> She's I waiting saw, for him to finish. It. I, saw, ah, I don't I know. Saw, yet. I saw the ad. I was looking out of the corner of my eye and I saw the ad cart. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? Um, I want to know, like, how much of a part did you play in the artwork on the on the cans and on your like your South American style rubs and stuff like that? Like, how much of a part did you play in that? Yeah. So all the um, all the like. I don't even know. I guess the beer cans are their own thing. Um, all the other ones, I was very involved in every piece of the artwork, all of the above. Um, when it came to the cans, it was definitely a little bit more of a 50-50 effort between me and um, the art designer that was over at Spiceology. Because I think for, for us, it was an opportunity where it was a product that... Um, I mean, this was a product that could be, I could see in not only specialty retail stores, but like, you know, depending on where you could get it. I mean, we're talking really fantastic places that you could buy it. And I think it could appeal to a large audience. Um, So I think that there was a portion where Spiceology wanted to hit it with a a good dose of like, let's capture that consumer um, while still highlighting the people that were pretty invested in the development and and like the you know my name on it and all of the above yeah um but they had a little bit more design on the actual can itself um so yeah they look nice no they look badass i'll let you know later how they taste yeah (laughs) something that i really liked about it that was that intrigued me you know i saw i've seen people cook with them on social media um as well as you i like the idea that you know, you can use it as a dry rub, but then you can also just, just like with any rub, but I like how there's that pairing, that recipe that you can well, actually yeah. make a marinade out of it with yeah. said beers. Mm-hmm. And I, I think like, like when you were talking about the fish stuff over there earlier, what that was the, the, the beer and chili lime is what it was. Jalapeno lime. Jalapeno lime. Okay. Yeah. Um, like beer battered fish was the first thing I was thinking of. You know what I mean? Like be able to That's put, what you did for your yeah, taco but recipe. being able to put that into a batter and God, I'm sure that that sounds amazing. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's the one that has sold me was the the the, the thought of jalapeno lime pilsner. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> now I've uh, I've tried all these ones and they are phenomenal. But one that was a real sleeper to me uh, that really surprised me was the uh, cherry chipotle. Uh, that one was really good. I don't normally like sweet stuff, but that was so good. I, um, I combined that with some beer and did a marinade. I I did a whole, um, a whole salmon filet with that one and then seasoned it and and smoked it and everything. And it was, it was phenomenal with that cherry chipotle. Jeremy is a big stuff. Sorry, not to cut you off. Uh, but Jeremy and I I give him, I trust Jeremy in, in all of his opinions, good or bad about anything that he says. (laughs) Yeah. I, I mean, he goes, he is a man of his word and he's a, very big stickler um, on seasonings, you know, and which the reason he's still with us, I don't know. But <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm, companies on here. No. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I, but no, he's, I so when he said, when he had your rubs, he, he hit us up and he was like, guys, these are great. You know, and so he usually like, shits on everything but, else. But he's he, he has, he's shit on a ton of, a ton of other companies and for him to compliment yours so well, um, that, that's a at the testament. I'll we're say like, that. all right, well, well yeah, we'll, well, we'll try them. We'll buy them. We'll, we'll, we'll have them on. They're okay. We're not, we're not I'm ordering all six right now or anything. <laughs> I, I've thrown out more than a few bottles of rub before, but I, but all of yours, Derek have been phenomenal. Each one of the releases. And then these beer ones are just, 
they're not like anything else on the market. Like there's nothing like them. They're they're so unique and the flavors are are phenomenal. So yeah. Well thanks, man. Means a lot. Aw. Ah. Well, I know that you uh, like to drink. Sounds so excited there, Derek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you big fat jerk. Thanks, <laughs> no, I mean honestly, it's um, the funny thing is, like with with these cans, dude. We like I've been working on them since like uh, I want to say it was like the end of September last year. Oh wow! So like it it was quite a long process of development and figuring it out and and just trying to understand the best way to do it. Um, we always knew, like we always knew that the flavor profiles were there because there was not a lot of people that were anywhere close um, in some of the flavor, like the flavor profile gamuts. And then on top of that, just adding the beer infusion um, to the flavoring. And so, um, but yeah, I, it, you know, it, it does actually mean a lot because we spent a really long time figuring this out. Um, and honestly, I still think the funniest part to me is the fact that like there is still quite a long period where I didn't think it was going to happen. Like it's, it just it probably shouldn't have, but it did. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Well, I know that you like to drink bourbon, but um, t- talk to me about cooking with bourbon. Is there anything that you, any recipes that you've made with bourbon? Honestly, my, I, I love doing like just simple maple bourbon glaze. You were talking about, Jeremy, you are talking about salmon. Um, mm-hmm. Like a good maple bourbon glaze is just really hard to beat. Um, when it comes to, yeah. I, I have a maple bourbon glaze recipe, uh, but I want to hear yours. What do you, uh, what do you put in yours? Dude, mine is the simplest thing in the whole world. Um, it is literally maple syrup, bourbon, and butter. So I don't even know if that technically counts itself as a glaze itself, but I just <laughs> call it a maple bourbon glaze and we go with it. <laughs> so mine is the same, except I have a splash of Worcestershire in it. And that's it. Now, Worcestershire? All right. We actually use that uh, glaze. Shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. I can't even say Worcestershire sauce ever. Worcestershire. Um, just kidding, honey. I love you. Yeah. Um, we actually used that Jeremy's maple bourbon glaze on some chicken wings at a wing fest that we were a part of. We we hey. used that. We paired it with our um, – we used the pit barrel, smoked the chicken wings with double action pack and heat combination, and then glazed them with the maple bourbon glaze. And I believe we used uh, Watson's barrel-aged syrup. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, authentic syrup. But Amazing. I'll, I'll say this, Jeremy's glaze, it – what we're like, not we're less than a point out of first place, and we yeah, you know, it was like a tenth of a point, we took third, and it was like half a point between first, second, and third. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, got robbed. It was that all right, Derek. We cut you off. What else are you doing with bourbon? Bourbon, bourbon. Um, honestly, dude, outside of drinking it, which I do a lot, yeah, boy. Um, when it comes to cooking. I'm I'm still kind of in a process of trying to find the best like bourbon marinade, especially for steak in and of itself. Um, I still feel like I haven't really fully perfected my bourbon marinade. And on top of that, I feel like you're going to encounter a lot of people that are like, why are you wasting bourbon on a steak? You should just put it on the side. But honestly, I still really want to figure out the best way to, to kind of do that. Um, so I'll well, tell them yeah. to eat a dick. Okay. Because there's no, <laughs> uh, but I will say this. I've got a, uh, it's a balsamic. Um, it's a balsamic vinegar, 
brown bourbon balsamic vinegar brown sugar glaze that I put on top of uh, venison. We've done a bourbon butter before too. Yeah, a bourbon a bourbon butter that's fa- that she did that was fantastic. But um, that brown sugar glaze, it's 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 thick, it's tacky, it's, it's delicious. It, it's got you know Worcestershire balsamic pepper, butter, you know, brown sugar and some bourbon and, you know, a couple other things, why not? But I'll talk to you about it maybe after this show's over, but it is, is really good. And like for those leaner cuts, it's, mm, she, she, she loved it when I made it one time long ago. Oh yeah. I loved it so much that I was eating it by the spoonfuls and then made myself so sick with it. So anyways, all right, so what, what's next, honey? On um, we get the the rub down. I don't have anything. Do you guys? <laughs> <laughs> Are you just scrolling Instagram over there? No, I have, I no have she's scrolling Spiceology, buying from. No, I have my notes. All right. Well, on that note, That's hilarious. Yeah, on that note, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to jump straight into Jeremy's rapid fire questions and my segment, the best one of the night or day, whenever we're recording. Reload recommends. We'll see you on the other side. Welcome back, guys. We're going to jump into your favorite segment of the night, the one you've been waiting for, the one that everyone is just on the edge of their seat, ready to go. Here it is, guys. Rapid fire questions. All right, guys, tonight, the order, even though we have a guest, we're going to make him go last because this is his second time here and whatever. We're going to go Stacy, Joel, Matt, and Derek. All right, guys, rapid fire. Hit these fast. First one, Walmart or Target? Stacy. Target, for sure. Walmart's like the butthole of Knoxville right now. <laughs> Joel. F that. Walmart. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. They got guns. Matt. I'm a Target guy. Figures. Derek. <laughs> what is that supposed Target. to be? <laughs> Target. Yeah. Oh, come on. Let me just put it this way. You can't buy an entire case of Topo Chico's for $7.42 at Target. That's true. So, true just story. drop that one out there for you. Rabbit hole. Rabbit hole real quick. The reason I hate effing Target, Elmer Fudd here, uh, is because I actually, uh, we bought some freaking applesauce packs for my, for my oldest back when he's like, what, two years old? No, he was like 10 months old. He'd be 10 months old. He's old applesauce packs out bottom he ate a couple of them and i looked at the, happened to look at the bottom of the damn pack expiration was expired one year they've been expired for a year so not only did sitting, they go unnoticed on the shelves not bought for that long a year i don't buy groceries at target 
Well, I check all expiration dates now, and it's unbelievable the amount of expired items that are on the, on the shelf. Just are saying. you kidding me? You I'm don't not... get your revise and all of your meat from Target? That's where I get <laughs> mm-hmm. it. <laughs> I hear they have a quality butcher shelf there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Full it's, breakdown, guys. It's, it's Den- Dennis, in, Dennis in the back. <laughs> all right, moving on. Sorry. There's premium Tyson meats. Yeah. <laughs> a little better than Walmart. That's where you bring your, your, your killed venison, right? That's where they butcher it. That's where that's mm-hmm. where I, that's where I bring all my specialty. Your processing? Yes. yes. There you yeah. Go. There you yeah. Go. Processing center. Uh-huh. <laughs> all right, guys. If business is a jungle, what animal are you? Stacy. Oh. Well, Joel. Well, in light of the 2020 Bengal tiger that's loose in Knoxville, Tennessee, right now, I would say I am a a bangled Siberian tiger. Nice, Matt. Uh, maybe an orangutan. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> everybody oh. likes an orangutan, right? I like to scratch so my ass and and wave my arms <laughs> in the air. And Perfect. and. If you were to go behind the tiger's back, he could just transfer you to another branch. Yeah. Pun intended. Derek. Ooh. All right. I got to go for it. But wolf. 100%. Oh, there you uh, go. The wolf pack. Animal? Huh? If business was a jungle? Yeah. Wolf. Wolf wolves are in the jungle. Are wolves are in the jungle? Yeah. I imagine there's I mean, canine. Have you seen? There? What is it? Is it? Uh... Like planet Earth? No. What? Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, the jungle book. Yeah, the jungle book's got wolves. Oh, yeah, he's in a jungle? Mowgli was raised by the wolves, yeah. Always go to Disney for my uh, jungle (laughs) facts. Y'all, this is another (laughs) mind-blowing moment, like a mongoose. Like, wolves are in a jungle? I mean, that was based off, like, Rudyard Kipling. Like, the the, the, forest animal. That that was based on India, yeah. I thought it was a forest animal. All right, guys, next one. Derek, your answer, answer is wrong. <laughs> All right, I'm changing it to uh, to the Bengal tiger of Knoxville because yeah. I just wanted to rise. Okay, good. Yeah. All right. There you okay. go. No children are safe. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Jerry, come on, man. You can do it. <laughs> what is your perfect pretzel topping? Stacy. Caveat, does this have salt? Of course, sea salt. Just, just salt. Or That's beer cheese. Top. Well, if it's salt it, already on it, like cheese. Derek said, then it would be beer cheese. Yeah. No, my, mine would be just salt and beer cheese. Okay. Joel? I like, uh, you know, a pretzel should not come without the salt on it already. So much that topping would be coarse ground mustard. Mm, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like a spicy brown mustard. It's what yeah. you got to have on a pretzel. Let's go. Hey, Derek? Third spicy brown mustard. Wow, oh. no one with the sweet pretzel. Oh, no. Ooh. Gross. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. All right, guys. Name a famous movie or TV show that includes cowboys and aliens. Oh, gosh. Uh, Men in Black. There's no cowboys in Men no, in Black. Cowboys They're in like in one? Texas, aren't they? And there's like <laughs> ranchers. In that, in that opening scene. I think I think Will Smith did Trimmers, have a, trimmers. I think Will Smith did have a cowboy hat on at one point, but I'm going to go ahead and take over and say Cowboys versus Aliens. With that, that, that is the obvious answer. Yes, that's the only. <laughs> what about that's the only movie that, there is. Okay, there, thinking along the lines of Will Smith. What about Wild Wild West? 
There's no aliens in that movie. There's not. Oh, that was steampunk. Sure? That was is. all uh, like steam-powered robots. Well, it was a better answer than Men in Black, so that's all. That's all a great answer. <laughs> you guys and your half answers, Derek. Yeah. Bring it home. Cowboys versus aliens. There you go. Hundred percent. Um, I was Double looking. Down. For, I was looking for Toy Story. Oh my God! Boo! My son is going to be Woody for Halloween. So <laughs> big in our house right now. Nice. What is the perfect temperature to cook a chicken wing to, Stacy? One ninety-five. Joel. One ninety-five. Matt. One ninety-six. Derek. Stupid. One ninety-five and a half. <laughs> oh, I was looking for 197. Oh, okay. we'll, uh, we'll, well go with that. You guys are the chicken hey, wing masters. Without going over, I nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather have one million dollars or one penny doubled every day for 30 days, Stacy? One million dollars. Million dollars. Not million dollars. Derek. A penny, dude. Come on. It, it ends up being over five million dollars if you do the penny doubled every day for 30 days. Really? I thought it was a longer period of time than that. Nope, just 30 days, 5 yeah. million. Compounding interest, bro. Is this an office it's, reference? No. no. But speaking of office references. It's an intelligence. And the medium burn. The medium burn. What is an appropriate punishment for opening another man's treasure? Stacy. I, I have no idea. Joel. You had to cut off his hand. Matt. Uh, death? Penalty of death? Derek? I, I don't know the reference. Forgiveness? I don't know. Forgiveness uh, is the more than saying sorry. <laughs> Say you're sorry. You guys are on a roll tonight with the, uh, <laughs> the musical duos. Oh, duets. Uh, the answer is a dart, possibly poisoned. Ah. Oh. Mm, okay. I said death. Close enough. Yeah, <laughs> like Matt. Oh, yeah, that's good. I could justify my answers all night long. I could kill a f***er with that. Yeah. <laughs> that works. What is your favorite proof of bourbon? Stacy. I think mine would be about 100. Bottle and bond. Joel. I like 114 plus. Matt. Ah, gotta, that's, that's tough, man. That's tough. I'm going to go... I've been under the high proofers lately. I'm going to go 110. Yeah. There it is. Derek? Yeah, 114 plus. Honestly, that's where you get the best flavor, in my opinion. I, I agree with that. Hey, the ones that are the higher proofs, even though there's a more burn, I, I tend to like those better than the lower ones. There it is, guys. All right. You guys are going to love this one. What climate would you theme your child's birthday party after? <laughs> Stacy? A sunshine. Sunshine. <laughs> Joel? I don't know. <laughs> I'm still thinking about what I said last week about damn hemorrhoids and shit. <laughs> the last time Derek was on, I mean. Uh, you thought it was wrong answers only. I did. I was still stuck on wrong answer. I'm like, hemorrhoid birthday. <laughs> Your poor kids. Yeah, it's no joke. Uh, I'll say rain. I'll say rain for... Uh, rain. Yeah. No, nothing says birthday. Like a rainy day. Well, you know. Paddles and umbrellas and rain boots. Matt? Uh, like Frozen Tundra. How about that? So Frozen, the, the yeah. movie Frozen. Yeah. 
Yeah. Gotcha. Wow. Derek? Uh, change. Climate change. <laughs> Climate change. Al Gore. So Al like Gore. <laughs> icebergs melting. <laughs> forest being burnt down. Got it. Thanks for um, the hang with the PSA, nope. buddy. No one went for like the tropical beach theme. Okay. F that. Sand sucks. <laughs> Stacy, was the moon landing faked? No. Joel. Ooh, I don't know. Maybe. I'll say no. No. I love Neil. We need to call Paul. We need to call Paul on this one. <laughs> Matt, with the picture of the moon behind you. Yeah. No. <laughs> Wait. Yes or no? Yes, I have a picture of the moon landing on my wall behind me. No, it was not faked. All right, Derek. America, no. No, not fake. Follow up to that. Is the moon even real? Stacy. Absolutely. Joel. I'm going to be crushed if it's not. Yes, it's freaking real, dude. Lunar shit. We got tides. It's real, but we maybe never went there. No, we went. There's well, made. tides only work in a in a round earth model. But, it's, you know. it's, made, it's made of cheese. Oh, no, well, no, that's hey, BS. How you like that blue? Let's go, Matt. Yeah, real and not fake. Wow, you're just sticking to your guns tonight. <laughs> I'm Derek. a sensible person. <laughs> well, honestly, since the last time we talked, I have become a flat earther, so I'm going to say uh, it's not real. I know it's total bullshit. Yeah, it can't be. There's no way. I get and a hard... Re- Go ahead, Jeremy. Sorry. I didn't know if you guys were going to be ready for that question tonight, but Matt popped on, and there was that picture of the fake moon landing <laughs> behind him, and I was like, you know what? Landing. You guys are ready for this. <laughs> ready for the truth. Have you never noticed that before? No, because it was never pertinent. Just like I never noticed the baseball <laughs> jersey until it was a question on 22 and 2. <laughs> Final question of the night. Stacy is chomping at the bit for this one. Are Reload Rubs the greatest seasoning of all time? Did a large cat species with large vertical stripes terrorize Knoxville this week? True. Joel. It is 2020 the most bullshit year ever in history. I don't know. We'll see how 2021 goes. Matt? Yes, of course. Derek Wolf? Hey, De- hey Derek. <laughs> <laughs> Call him back. I feel like we should add him back now. I feel bad. I am adding him back now. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Unavailable. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. He played, but no. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. <laughs> there he is. We lost you there. <laughs> What's the? I don't know what happened, uh, Derek. I don't know what happened. Crazy. Oh man, I don't. Uh, I don't know what happened there, man. <laughs> it's so, almost like he missed the mute button and hit the I, I, hit the end call. I think like that my dog like hit the keyboard or something. I can't remember. Like, what your dog your hit the keyboard. What a terrible excuse. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was supposed to be man. terrible. Yeah. All right. Anyway, speaking of terrible, I'm going to throw it over to Joel for his segment. <laughs> That's right, guys. We call a segue. It's yeah. time. It's time for my segment, which is pretty badass and better than any segment on this podcast, especially Jeremy's. 
but it's time for Reload Recommends, where we recommend things to you that we think are badass and awesome. So let's jump in right now to Reload Recommendations, Recommendations from Reload, yeah, It's juicy. Is that good? It's juicy. It was good, but juicy. You like the song? You like the, the, the spittle? The spittle I got going, gurgling there? Right, Look at Jer- Jeremy's face is, was of disgust right then. I saw it. Oh, I was yawning. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> For All people right, who guys. don't know, it's after 8 p.m. our time, so that's after my bedtime. I know. I'm so All right, sorry. who's next? I, I'm so sorry. So let's do this. I screw this up every week, but I'm going to try to keep track of it. We're going to go reload recommendations. We're going to go Matt right off the bat. Then we're going to jump to Derek. Then we're going to jump to Jeremy. Then we're going to go to Stacy, and then we're going to end with yours truly. So let's jump into it right now. Matt, hit us with We Know Yo Music, baby. That's right. So like every week, uh, this week I've got a song for you guys. Uh, This week for Matt's music, I have a United Kingdom-based three-piece called The Pale White. These guys fit right in with the gritty jams we've been talking about this summer. Uh, Released as a single earlier this year, this is a song called Polaroid. Alright, so just a friendly reminder to everybody, be sure to go check out the playlist. Uh, you can search Spotify for Reload Recommends and uh, and like it. That way it shows up in your playlist all the time. And you can listen to it whenever you want, just like you can the show if you go subscribe to this. So, there you go. That's what I'm talking about. Matt, you are always bringing the heavy hitters, the, the ones that slap. Super, slap. Slapping super hard, man. That's I, I love that playlist. Let's do it on the break. Derek, talk to me. We, what do you recommend? My Chipotle garlic. <laughs> Your Stallone seasoning. <laughs> <laughs> Over the top. Uh, no. Yeah. Okay, so I, I brought up earlier in the podcast doing skewers. Um, highly recommend getting on uh, the Super Skewers Barbecue. Uh, these guys, uh, he creates some fantastic uh, custom fabricated skewers that you can get some really awesome styling so that whether you need that uh, the two prong or you want that v-cut style of a skewer you can also get them in uh, small and large sizes so it can kind of fit any kind of grill that you can have so highly recommend it if you want to kind of get into that skewer style of cooking very nice jeremy talk to me i have a recipe to recommend this week um, and this one is, uh, it goes out to all the people out there who, um, who haven't given the herb sage a chance. Uh, this is sage brown butter. Uh, it's super it's simple. Half a stick of butter, melt it in a pot, finely mince one clove of garlic, put it in there over medium heat, cook it for two to three minutes, add in uh, one chiffonaded bunch of sage, cook it for another two to three minutes, season with salt and pepper, and it will level up any dish you're making. Um, like I said, people who haven't given sage its proper due, give it a shot. I don't know what kind of hoe no. bag does that. I know, but I want to. I want to. Right? No, I have to back you up. With Stacey, that. what is chiffonade? Yeah, uh, it's when you uh, you take all the leaves, you roll them up like you'd be rolling a joint or something, and then you uh, cut Chop them up. across so you have little tiny bits. Yeah, Thank they're you. not quite minced, but they're they're smaller pieces, so you still have little crispy a chunks. Tight, when you're eating. rough chop. More or less. Sure. Or a chiffonade, because they have a word for it. Well, you know what? Most of most Americans don't know what the hell chiffonade means. But it, well now they do. It's now a good thing do. we have this thing called Google. <laughs> you, <know, laughs> you can look stuff up. That sounds amazing, Jeremy. So, Stacy, hit me. 
I am actually going to recommend a song this week. It'll be on um, Reload Recommends playlist on Spotify. Make sure you go over there and follow it. Uh, once again, I have already um, recommended a song by this artist. I, I love him. Like, I just love his voice. I love his musical abilities with the uh, multiple instruments. Um, he's actually had cameo appearances on the show Yellowstone. Um, it's Ryan Bingham. And before, I, the, the song that's on the Reload Recommends playlist is Sunrise. But the one that I'm recommending today was the one that really got me into liking him. Yes. And it's called South Side of Heaven. I'm going to just play you a clip right now, but it you have to listen to the actual song from the beginning and listen to it the whole way, and it's just pure butter. Here we go. So good. Put on a sail side of heaven, won't you take me home? Cause I've been broke down for so long, and Lord, it's getting cold. I love his music. Definitely check it out. I totally have a male uh, crush on him. Hardcore. Love some good Ryan Bingham. Have y'all heard of his guy at all? Yeah, I mean, I saw him on Yellowstone. I didn't know who he was before Yellowstone, admittedly. But uh, excuse me, familiar with him now. Music and never put two and two together that he was on the show. I was gonna say use your words because you were all nodding your damn heads. But (laughs) we're not on YouTube. Um, Can they not see us on the podcast? Not mm-hmm. as of yet. Maybe soon. Okay. So well, that's good. That is why I look like I I do right now. <laughs> Straight from the lake, baby. Hi oh. Alright, so now it is my turn. Um, I have a recommendation that is out of left field. It's something that uh, I'm doing currently. Um, I joined fantasy football. This is the I've helped Stacy like very minutely. Um, in the past, uh, Stacy is the f- fantasy football guru of the household. I love NFL. She normally does about two leagues per per season, and I got hit up by a guy named uh, Cooking with Swiss on Instagram, and he's got a it's the Barbecue Crew Fantasy Football League. There's ten of us in there, and I it was just too good to pass up. I am last in the league in my draft. It's the first week, I know, but when you do the draft itself, it doesn't. It means <coughs> nothing in fantasy football. Nothing. They grade your team, and everybody had all these good grades, and mine was a C minus, and I was tenth place. So um, I believe in myself. I believe in my my uh, sleeper players, and that uh, right now I'm getting my ass kicked in my first game, but there's still hope. I have one guy left. So, but I do. It's been a lot of fun talking shit, side bets, things like that. Of that it nature. makes the games more interesting because you have players in multiple games that you're invested in. Teams that I have not even cared about. Um, I'm watching because I'm rooting for the player on the team. Anyways, um, I recommend that you guys, if you have not played fantasy football, if you got some good people to do it with, just try it. It's a little bit of a commitment, but it's so much fun. And we've been without sports for so damn long now. It's been, it's been good for me. And, uh, so try it, try some fantasy football. And that guys is the end of reload recommendations. Uh, it's been a great episode. Derek, my man, Thank you so much for coming back on the show. We appreciate you being on here, dropping all your knowledge bombs, talking about your amazing line of rubs and seasonings. Um, it's been, uh, like I said for the last time, when you were laughing at me, which whatever. But when you've been, you are, you are, you're an inspiration to people, bro. Whether you like it or freaking not, um, and you get people wanting to do things in a different way. So appreciate appreciate you coming on, man. And if you can. 
one more time. Tell everybody how they can find you, how they can get your rubs, and anything else you want to plug while you're at it. Yeah, yeah. So you can find me um, at Over the Fire Cooking on pretty much all the socials. <clears throat> I guess we'll include TikTok in there as well since it's like slightly <laughs> becoming a thing now. Um, but overthefirecooking.com, all of the above. Um, yeah, and you can find my rubs there on the website. You can also find them on spiceology.com. Uh, yeah, but thank you guys for having me on again. Honestly, at, at the end of it, just thanks for uh, for listening to me spiel for so long on a few things. I, you know, there's one thing I, I am good at, and that is talking. Um, so there you go. No, it was awesome. You definitely opened our eyes to a new kind of going back to our roots and, and, and have definitely inspired us. Hell yeah, man. So, and I look forward to, uh, it will be a crying shame if we don't get together at some point with the TRP crew and you to do, so close. To do some sort of cook, you know, us being in the same damn state, this has got to happen. Mm-hmm. It's going to go down. So, uh, put that on your books somewhere in the next, uh, you know, few months or so. Sounds good to me. All right, guys. So thank you all for listening to this podcast. We love you. We thank you so much for all that you do. Go ahead and hit hit that subscribe button. Do it. Do it right now. That way you can listen to that Reload podcast anytime, anywhere. And at this moment in time, I'm probably going to slap my wife across the table because she's mimicking me and doesn't know that I have good peripherals. So we love you guys, and we'll see you on the next show. See you next Tuesday. This podcast is brought to you by Reload Rub and Seasoning. Head to ReloadRub.com to pick up the full arsenal of our delicious blends, perfect for amping up your next meal. No MSG, clean ingredients, and a portion of every sale is donated to Hungry Heroes, serving those who serve others. So head over to ReloadRub.com and order yours today. Now we'll definitely all I'm just waiting for Matt to like jump in and be like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> I would never do that to you. <laughs> Jeremy would do that to you. Yeah, Jeremy. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say something other than Dukes, and I was going to pounce. <laughs> it's Jeremy. It's kind of they, they, they've been wanting to do like a shit on Jeremy episode, and we just haven't no, done it yet. I want to do a fast condiment bracket. <laughs> I want to do tournament style brackets with condiments. The, the, the thing is, Jeremy, Chick Fil A sauce versus Polynesian. It seems like we're shitting, but at the same time, to a professional, it's more just a bunch of compliments towards you. Sure. I yeah. repeat, condiment brackets. <laughs> condiment brackets. Bl- blow that hot up air, hot air up your own ass, Joel. Not mine. <gasps> Zaxby's <gasps> sauce <gasps> versus <gasps> sweet and sour. You know, like stop Zaxby's talking. 100%. We're coming back. Really interesting to see. I'm, I'm just gonna do I it in the new it. place. I'm gonna beat Derek to it and be like, "Hey, I'm Joel over the fire cooking." And <laughs> I have a no, 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 under the fire. <laughs> under cooking. the fire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah, it's funny as hell. I wish uh, so then when you go to get your ice cream, you'll be noticed for your TV show and for being under the fire cooking. Wow. <laughs> there it is. Wow. There it is. There it is. <laughs> yeah. And let's touch on, you know, I know Derek, you've done some work, Buffalo Trace. And Do the, you want to touch? Hey. On the rub down. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. We should do it. You want to do a ditty and have that as an intro? Okay. Please, please come back from the break with a ditty. <laughs> you going to do it? Bet you won't do it. I bet you won't either. <laughs> I'll be your I'll be your hype man. Do you want to touch? Yeah. You yeller slick. Just you just yeller. roll into it. Go. Okay. Right. Let's go. Ready? Oh. I love bourbon, guys. <laughs> <laughs>